Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the She Ventures Now podcast. I'm your host, Gail Nicole, and I'm also the founder of SheVenturesNow.com, where I encourage millennial women to make quantum leaps in epic personal change. And in today's episode, I have the opportunity of continuing an interview that I did um, with a great friend of mine, Alex Dees, millennial therapist, on her own transition Um, into a different career field. Alex worked at one point as a risk control analyst and then made the leap to become a licensed mental health professional. And I love her. I love her insight. I love her vulnerability. I love her transparency and just sharing the way in which she navigated making a career change. It wasn't always easy. And um, I appreciate how much insight she gave into her journey. So listen in and take note. All right, Alex. So are you ready for part two? Talking about career change? Good. Uh All right. So I want to hear about your journey of moving from being, and I don't know exactly your title from before, but from, I think you were like a manager slash analyst to. I was a risk control analyst. Risk control analyst to. My title is clinician too. I'm a mental health therapist. So I provide therapy services and also some case management. Okay, cool. I feel and I find in my short 31 years of life that a lot of people experience angst in transitioning and making pivots professionally. And a lot of times we have a hard time figuring out our inner compass of where we should go, what we should do. So could you talk to us about like what triggered the career change, that process you went through? Okay, so I've had like a couple of major career transitions. And so I'm going to start with the first one because I feel like it informs the second one. Okay. So when I um, got out of college, I got a job working for a railroad company um, in their property management uh, subsidy. And um, I was miserable. I would go in every day and I just really didn't like my job. And I was like, I'm too young to be miserable every day. There was literally no one who looked like me. There was no one who wasn't on support staff who was this. There was no one who was my age even. And so even though it was a great opportunity and it paid really well and I was set up really nicely and my parents were happy, I was unhappy. At the same time, I was really brainwashing myself with all this entrepreneurial stuff and all this work you love stuff by Uncle Dan, Dan Miller, who was really instrumental in kind of my view and philosophy about careers or he was in the past and I think still very influential. And so I left that job because I was miserable. And I was like, if I get this job, I can get another one. Like life is too short. I am not here for this. And so I just decided to like dive off a cliff. (laughs) And I wasn't like, I don't remember being super anxious about that, but I I was naive as well. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know how good I had it. That job had come really easily. They created that job for me because I'd interned with them. So all the things. So that was like my first. Was it property management? It was property management? It was a a property management company. And what I was doing, I was, I can't remember my title, but I was basically a billing specialist. I would, whenever there was a railroad accident, I would contact the other railroad if Mm -hmm. like we were on their tracks or they were on our tracks and whatever. I would review the contracts and decide who had to pay for what, (laughs) according to our contracts. Got it. Railroads are the biggest landowner in the U.S., so. Yeah. Okay. Maybe like after the government or something. Okay. So that was career pivot number one. That was career pivot number one. And so 
career pivot number two was when I switched from working as an energy trader to transitioning over to what I do now, which is counseling. So that one was a little different because I had experience from my first time leaving. So I wasn't as naive. The thing that I had the second time that I didn't have the first time was money. I cashed out my retirement because to me it was worth it. Um, and so that and was kind of a transition from energy analyst to therapist. Yeah. Okay. Actually, so I was in graduate school full time and working full time as a risk control analyst for this energy company. And it was killing me. <laughs> and I knew that eventually I would need to leave this job and find a job in counseling. And I knew that there would never be a good time to do it because I had a really good job. I had very good circumstances, great relationship with my boss, a lot of freedom, all the things. And I was like, this, there's never going to be a time when it's good to leave this job if I'm just looking at it from the outside. Just so say I gotta, one more time. Just say that. Say that one more time. Because I think, yeah. Yeah. Just, there's never going to be a good time. It, you know, I was getting raises every year. I was getting bonuses, like five figure bonuses. Maybe for some people, that's not a lot. But for me, it was every year. And it was just a good job. And there were like these, what do they call them? Golden handcuffs or something. Um, yeah. I felt trapped by how good of a job I also wasn't miserable I like my co-workers I just I basically had no complaints except that it had nothing to do with my calling um and I knew that I wanted to do something that was going to at least be more in line with what I believe my calling is and yeah. so you know I was good at it and I was making good money but it wasn't purposeful and I needed that sense of purpose. I think particularly because I'm not married, I don't have any children. And so the meaning in my life also needed to come from my job. So I, I was, I'm not getting it from investing into and building a family. So, wow, yeah. that's an interesting distinction too, asterisk. So yes. I want to talk about in those pivots, because I think it's helpful for people who are, who we don't know, who are younger millennials just mm -hmm. graduating or maybe still entry-level career positions that they're in, to talk about the angst or the anxiety moments that you mm -hmm. endured either in the second one or the first one. I think you said that you didn't have much angst in the first one, but the second one. Because I was stupid. I should have had angst. <laughs> oh, okay. Right, because I think it's helpful. I bring up the anxiety part because I think there is something about recognizing what makes, what makes you anxious Mm -hmm. and becoming more emotionally mature okay yeah i also think it's important to realize that anytime you you you're on the precipice of some type of change on a cliff you get anxious just out of the you know grappling with fear grappling yeah. the unknown and uncertainty but i want to hear more about that story in your your journey i mean just from a mental health perspective transition causes stress so yeah. that, that's a thing even if it's something that's good or beneficial it can cause distress okay um, and so some of the things that I worked through with both of my transitions, leaving both of my, the jobs that I've left, um, it's just money really for me, like money is just a, a real security thing because I'm alone. I'm real, real alone, particularly with where I live. My family is what? 3000 miles away from me. The people that I, that could come and pick me up if I had a flat tire in the middle of the night on the side of a road, not here. Right. So when I was home, if that happened at 3 a.m., I could literally there were 100 people, no exaggeration, I could call who would get out of their bed in the middle of the night, come get me, pick me up, make sure I was OK. Here, nobody, you know, so yeah. I mean, now there are some people I have friends here, but it's just a little bit different. And yeah. so I need money is a solver of those types of problems. Money as a single woman, money allows me to live away from the people that I love. And um, 
you know, even when I was back home, it was really just money. Can I pay my bills? Can I be responsible? I think that I have a responsibility to take care of myself and not unnecessarily lean on other people. Because if I quit my job, it's like, well, you were able to take care of yourself and now you're not. I just feel like it's irresponsible in some regards. Mm -hmm. And so most of my anxiety was just about paying bills. That's it. That's like the main, which is a big thing. Point like point, that's it. That's the bottom line. Can Money. I pay my And it's a real big deal. Mm-hmm. What was that? No, and it's a real big deal. It can't be overemphasized. Yeah. 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 I mean, the first time I, I didn't work in a corporate job oh, you're breaking for up. a year. Hold up. I did some meaningful things during, doing the, during the interim. Okay. Oh, there you are. Now we're back. Okay. okay. Yeah. You're so I apologize. We just went through like an inter- internet connection slowdown. Yeah. So if you could just restate what you were saying before. Uh, oh, we were talking about anxiety and money. And so for me, I did not prepare properly the first time that I left corporate America. And so I did not have the financial resources that I needed to really take care of myself. I actually moved in with a friend's mom who allowed me to live there rent free. So this was before I quit. So there were some things that I did as far as preparation. Um, But I just, I just did not have enough money and for me, that's actually a huge trigger for like stress, anxiety, and like for most people. Um, so that was that was definitely the main thing. But I learned the value of money, I think, a lot more. And I learned the value of work. And I got my um, determination to never have to experience that again. <laughs> so I thought that was really valuable. Um, and then the second time I did my big quit, and I left my uh, corporate job as a analyst in the energy industry, I had a lot more money. However, it took me longer to find a job. And when I found a job, which was basically a perfect job for me, it just didn't pay nearly as much as I was accustomed to making. And so even though I had, again, I reduced my lifestyle drastically, no car payment, really affordable rent, all the things, I still wasn't able to fully support myself. Like I just didn't have enough money. And so I had a lot of a lot of distress and emotional turmoil around paying my bills. <laughs> Everything worked out. So I think that's one of the main takeaways from both of those experiences. Like things are going to work out. You'll live. You're going to have some mess to clean up, but you'll live. And it's been worth it. It has been worth it. It has Absolutely. been worth like, it. Absolutely. I think sometimes, and I, I, I think I bring this up in my, uh, my business startup podcast, this question of the cost of starting up a business, not directly related to you, but that question is a little bit tricky. Uh, I've had a couple of people answer in a way where they're like, man, there's no cost. All of it no. was worth it. And no. I think that's really cool to see you say <laughs> at the end of oh describing the beast you've endured, I'd do it all over again. Cause I think that's where people, how people need to understand when they get clarity around their passion or their calling, there's good. You're going to endure some stress here. Oh like yeah. Said. yeah. Let me build on top of that. So practically money was the big thing, but I also sacrificed a lot of other things. I, Consider myself to be a very generous person. So I was giving a lot and I would, whenever we went out, I would pick up the bill. I was, I ate out like all the time, like all the things. And so I was not flashy. I wasn't rich or anything, but I was just comfortable. I didn't have, I wasn't struggling financially. 
And it was like that changed overnight. And so that also ties into the way that people treat you. It ties into the way that people respect you, the way that they kind of perceive you. And so I had some changes in the way that people interacted with me. Or when my friends were going out, I was like, I can't, you know, that became like a normal part of my life. And so I think I, that cost me something. And I also had to learn to be okay with that. And I had to do some ego adjustments. There was some identity things I had to work through. Um, do I still get to be me if I can't function in the world in a way that I'm accustomed to functioning? Yeah. The way you've you know? socialized, the way you comfortably socialized yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Hard. yeah. So, so all my friends still had good corporate jobs, you know? Yeah. And so I had to be the one that was broke and at home or wherever I was. And so that was an important lesson. So that was just another cost I wanted to you. Mention. No, I appreciate that. I feel like you just addressed like aha moments you just perfectly segued into that. I don't know if you have any more aha moments within your career change though. Um, especially because around the second one, I felt like you were going into it with a little bit more eyes wide open and just I knew realizing, it. yeah, myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know if you, you remember any more aha moments from that time or, cause I think that That's even the second one was more purposeful. Cause it was like, I'm yeah. getting my, I'm finishing up my grad degree yeah. This is something I'm heavily invested in. I know what it looks like, the landscape, the career options. I know what it's going to take, you know. Mm-hmm. So were there, were there more aha moments being that you had the runway of a grad degree behind you? I mean, nothing in particular comes to mind that we haven't already discussed. I'm sure that there were, okay. but it kind of feels like a con- conglomeration or summation of a lot of different events and aha moments. So, yeah. Perfect. So what would you say is the one thing that you think it takes to start restart your career or change your career well? Ooh, okay. Um, what's the one thing? Uh, maybe <laughs> openness. Oh, I know. Sorry. I got too comfortable. Probably openness. I think that you need to have a certain amount of ability to be open with what you expect of yourself and others and the way the world works. You need to... That's good. That's insightful. Yeah. What makes you say that? Just does that because you had to you had to embrace the uncertainty and what was going to come at you? Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't know anybody who had a good corporate paying job and left it more than once. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And yeah. now I, because of my own journey, now I have people in my life who have done that. I I know several people who have done that now, but at that time, I mean, my family was like, "Are you out of your mind?" mind. You supportive. They were like. You know, this is our daughter. We supported her. She went to college. She's got a good job. She's set. You know, that's what parents really, at least my parents, that's what they wanted for me. And so it was just difficult for them to kind of embrace that. But I had heard, I had read, I had seen that there could be another way of living where your work was more in line with who you are. And so there wasn't this meaninglessness or lack of congruence between your work life and your your life, your personal life. So I just wanted to be more aligned. I'd heard it was possible mostly from Dan Miller and I wanted to taste and see, like I wanted to get some of that, like if it's possible to have this is I'm not going to miss out on it for lack of trying. I wanted to try. I wanted to try. Yeah. And there are, of course, like I could get another one. My credentials and my experience aren't going anywhere. I'm marketable. Yep. And, and you're not a failure if you go back to corporate America, too. Absolutely not. I would have gone back to my same job. I would set up nice. I wouldn't have been mad at all. Exactly. Like, I'm not so 
sorry. I'm not embarrassed and I'm not sorry. I had, I wasn't trying to prove anything to anybody. Right. I wasn't trying to prove anything to anybody. I was just trying to find realness, authenticity in my own life. Yeah. In your own life to take the jump to, to, to do the work of yeah. making it congruent. I, I get that. That's really good. Openness. I like that. And that's what I got from my first quit was that need to impress everybody. I mean, I feel like for me, it's kind of ingrained, but I had to let a lot of that go because I was no longer impressive in a lot of ways. So that was very freeing. You yeah. I didn't approve. So if, if I had to go back in my job, I no big deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. The, the, what I'm hearing you say, openness, I'm feeling like my interpretation of that is like being generous with yourself on your journey to be able to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. I think also as a black woman, I feel like our generation, especially as a millennial black woman, I feel like we are experiencing things that like our parents' generation never experienced. And if there's a side of life that we haven't experienced because we've been excluded from it due to racial stuff in our country, the way that we were brought up, I wanted to say, see, like, is this only for white people? Are they the only ones that can have work they love? You know, are they the only ones that can be entrepreneurial? Yeah, that's a great point. And, or I feel like corporate America sometimes slash school sometimes sets us up to believe that anything that we want in our professional life will come to us in a linear way. It'll be processed, packaged. It will, you will know A to B, B to C, D to D to E. You will go, you will progress throughout your path that way. And really the path towards success or even fulfilling your calling is not linear. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be at least. I wouldn't say it's not linear. It doesn't have to be. That's good. That's a good. So you could be congruent, but not making as much money and not feeling like you're a success story yet. But really for yourself, you, you cross a major (laughs) milestone. You know, that's something celebratory. That's something noteworthy, but other people might not see the symbols of success because you can't do certain, you know what I mean? And I think that that's like a pivotal thing with restarting your career is like that openness. Key. I think that's a big deal. That's really insightful, Alex. That's really cool. Yeah. Let's jump into some rapid fire questions on career change. Um, and this is, yeah, go ahead. These I think are some really uh, pedestrian level, super simple questions. I just want to get your take on them because I think it makes us more agile as young professionals to know different, different advice points on these kinds of things. So first question is your best tip or yeah, your best tip or best tip you ever heard on finding a new job. So I want to say what has worked for me in finding a new job that your cover letter and resume is real good. So you're already in the door, Um, but best tip on finding a new job is I like to say that all work is noble. And so that means that someone who is a congressman has the same amount of nobility as someone who is emptying the trash cans in the congressman's office. Yeah. So I just feel like philosophy wise, when you're looking for a new job, I think it's more important to look for something that's going to fit your life, even if it doesn't give you the prestige that you thought you needed. Like all the work is noble. Keep that in mind. It's more important to find something that gives you a life that you enjoy. I mean, for me, but I mean, other people might have other responsibilities, right? I don't have any children. I don't have a mortgage, like other things that would cause me to need to prioritize making a lot of money more. So anyway, that was kind of roundabout, but there it is. Yeah. 
Um, number two, um, please keep them coming. The depth, I love it. Ooh, I love it. Number two, best piece of advice on crushing interviews. Really, just okay, yeah. Well. This was this is the question I almost answered answer for number one. So this is my advice. This is what works for me. That you've heard a thousand times probably, but it really works for me. Have a list of questions. Yeah. Have yeah. a list of questions and ask them. When I go into an interview, I have a notepad out. I mean, I have a folio that I use and I'm like taking notes while they're talking. And then when they say any questions, I'll like, I say, oh, well, you've already answered my question about this, this, and this. Well, another question I have is, would you be able to describe to me what a typical workday looks like for someone who's in my position? Yeah. You know? like, and so have real questions like, oh, here in your corporate values, it says that you value honesty. Do you see that played out on a day to day basis? Like come in with real questions and interview them back, not in an arrogant way, but like you care because right. you should. You're going right. to be working for a lot. You're going to be there all the time. All the time. Ask all the, the questions time. you really want to know. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Best tip on negotiating salary. Do it. I've never done it, but I hear that you should, and I want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You should do it even if you know you're not going to get it because you yeah. should push back. And I've heard this. It just shows that you're a competitive person, but also yes. the worst you, the worst you can do is get a no. Secondly, it is statistics show that women never negotiate or negotiate yes. less than men. And so and they miss out. Make more money. So I mean, what did, you, what did you say? Women who do negotiate tend to make more money. I have, pushed back. I don't think I've had like real negotiations because there wasn't a lot of flexibility with the specific jobs I had, mm -hmm. but push back. At least I completely agree with that. Figure okay. it out. I've also heard that HR people are always surprised when people don't. Mm -hmm. like, well, no, I shouldn't say these de definitive always <laughs> like they're usually giving you the lowest range. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. always more, there's flex there, but it is what it is. Number four, Best piece of advice you ever heard about career success in general? I'm sure you. This is it. You know it's from is Uncle Dan, who is Dan Miller. Yeah. Uh, give yourself until you're 50 years old to figure out what you want to be when you grow up, or what you want to do when you grow up. Which is my approach. I am literally giving myself until I'm 50 years old. Until then, I'm gonna try different things that I feel are more and more and more authentic and aligned with who I am and what I want to do and fulfill whatever needs I have in a particular season. Give yourself to your 50 years old. That's one I love and live by. I like that. Wow. Number five, best song or success quote that has motivated you? Oh, uh, let's see. I made a note about this best song or success quote. Uh, totally um, mood dependent on this one. <laughs> it's like whatever. But one that I have on my wall at work is by the infamous Nicki Minaj. <laughs> and it says, yes, girl. And it says, you are not going to tell me who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. Yeah. And I was like, amen. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. She also has yeah. a song called. That was a really good one. I like that. I like that. Huh. When did she say that? Like, do you remember? I have no idea. I just saw it on the interwebs and I liked it a lot. Love it. <laughs> number seven, final, or actually number six. What's your personal idea of success within your career? The topic we're talking about career success. What's your personal idea of career success? For career success, for me, it looks like being congruent, like being the real me in my work life, while at the same time taking care of my responsibilities. So for me, when I can intertwine those two things, authenticity, yeah. congruence, I'm showing up as myself, like, will the real Alex please stand up? Yes. And 
I can pay my bills and take care of my responsibilities. For me, that's what career success looks like. You saw the... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, I love that. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, and I love it because of the flex in that. It's not a rigid job description. Yeah, that means that success title. Yeah, success changes seasons, years, whatever, opportunities, you know. Number seven, what book would you recommend to the She Ventures tribe regarding career um, and why? The first one is, it's gotta be, I gotta do more than one, sorry. Go for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta be 48 Days to the Work You Love. If you've not heard Uncle Dan, that's what Gayon calls him and I started calling him that. His name is Dan Miller. Please read that book. Go ahead and get your mind right. It's everything. Podcast. If you don't like reading, what's the podcast? Download yeah. your book library, whatever. Like it's everything. Yeah. Um. Oh, there's another. I book that- have a bone to pick with you that you told me about that book like five years after we had started what? a relationship. Like five years after you'd already really? read it, and I was like, huh. And then I got the book and devoured the book, and then like bought fifteen of it and started doing workshops on it because I was like, yeah. love it so much. You know, love it, but. No, for sure. Appreciate the time again. I think my last question is, what is the one thing you think keeps people stuck in careers that they don't enjoy? Mm, I wrote down an answer to this. Um, the one thing is probably fear, but I think what's causing the fear is ignorance. Mm. I don't mean that as an insult. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. people don't know what their mm-hmm. other options are. Yeah. The quote that says you're only as free as your options. So like the more options you have, the more freedom you have in your life. Yeah. And I found that to be true. And so I think that fear really holds people back. But most of the time it's, I was going to say it's illegitimate, you know, your experience is your experience, but it's like if they had more information, if they yes. knew what was possible and what their options were, then it could alleviate some of those fears and they'd be able to more readily step out and confidently. <laughs> Alex, I feel like your answer was the best, like, I don't know, inspirational song. You know, it's like the crescendo of oh my gosh. Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love oh You. Like, that was that. That was that. Thank you. No, that was such a great answer. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I think that you are the bomb.com. And again, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for sharing with She Ventures Now podcast listeners on career change, dealing with that, and then also sharing your journey because I love it when people share behind the scenes of how they endured um, the pitfalls, blunders, whatever they, they, they had, to, had to go through to get to where they're now. So appreciate you. Thank you for having me. That's all for now, friends. If you'd like to get updates on new episodes, articles, products, and coaching services to help you make quantum leaps and personal change, sign up for our newsletter at sheventuresnow.com slash updates.